Welcome to Stuff and Waffle, two friends talking about stuff, and often as not, waffling. Right. Well, your list was quite comprehensive and quite, I mean, even though we didn't go into too much detail, you've, 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 you've certainly honed your topics, which I like. Well, I th- yeah, it was just random thoughts I had over the last, you know, 10 days or so, really. It makes mine sound bad. <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be the other way around. Oh. I thought you were going to say, well, you have put no effort into that, have you? Clearly. No, you've put a lot of effort in. And I, I too, have had some stories that, have, that I've thought of. But when I say bad, I mean, it makes me look through my list and go, mm, why is everything involving a car dirty? It's not. Oh, I see. Uh, ah, yeah, see, mine are all quite family friendly. <laughs> I mean, there's none that are horrific or anything like that at all. Okay, I think we can see where this is going to go. <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely fine. Um, okay. There's one quick one that we should possibly get out of the way first that came mm. up this week. Um, was the the fact that Mitsubishi didn't call the Pajero, the Pajero in Spanish-speaking countries? Oh, I think I've heard this. But I can't remember the detail of it. I'm, I, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. Yes, I'd never never heard of it and, until I think it was Sunday I got told about this. Okay. Um, yes, it's, it's not so good in, in Spain if you say that because you end up driving around in a Mitsubishi masturbator. Oh, dear. <laughs> they didn't check their markets there, did they? <laughs> they didn't. Hence why it's, it's got many names. So oh, yeah, my. That's, <laughs> oh dear, that's bad. Not gone well. Not gone that's well. Bad. No, no, not a big seller. I wouldn't have thought. No. <laughs> okay. Well, you never I'm know. Sure, Someone I'm might sure be proud. They, but well, that's true. I suppose depends on the lifestyle. I guess. Mm. <laughs> yes. Maybe there is a certain segment of society who would find that a good brand to associate with. I don't know. Um, Mm. Mm. I'm mm. sure I've heard that the great Hubnut may have mentioned that at some point. I wouldn't swear to that, but um, ah, no, you, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. But it comes up because he's mentioned other cars that have different names in different markets, and they don't always translate. Um, I think that happens quite a lot, mm. particularly with the American market. A lot of cars have different names over there. Yes. Um, uh, yes. Although interestingly, the escort was was fairly universally used. It was always going to be problematic, that wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And Ford do have a habit of picking, you know, slightly unfortunate names, but um, they they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the, oh, I remember another one. I can't remember what it actually ended up being called in France. Toyota had to change the MR2, didn't they? Did they? Well, because if you sound it out as MR2 with a French alphabet and number, it it comes out awfully close to a a, a rude word in French. A rude word? Okay. Yes, because it comes out as MR2. Oh, that rude word. Right, (laughs) okay. Yes, I suppose it would. Yes, Yes. I suppose it would. And no one wants to drive around in a Toyota. No, they don't. No, no, no. Again, you're going to hurt sales with that. <laughs> but uh, yes, oh dear. Yeah, not not, not oh good, not good. No, not good. 
I did. It's not rude, but um, uh, it just came to mind. Um, as you know, many, many moons ago, I owned a Mini, a Mini mm. Cooper. And um, I'm talking to a friend once, and mine was the Cooper, not the Cooper S. It wasn't the supercharged one. It was the ordinary one. Yeah. Um, and um, I must have said it very quickly. I said, oh, of course, mine's not the mine's not the Cooper S. And uh, my friend said, well, no, you're a boy. Surely the Cooper S is only for girls. <laughs> <sighs> that was fairly quick off the mark. I like that. It was. <laughs> It's quite good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. I've got a clean one as well, Ian. Have you? Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's do that then. Right. <laughs> this is purely an observation from, from Twitter browsing for the past, I don't know, probably a month or so. Maybe, maybe yeah. not even that long. But from various sources, there's been a lot of love for the reasonably rare Volvo uh, 262C, the Batoni. Ah, yes. Now, I just, I just saw a Twitter post about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's quite a rare old beast, isn't it? It is a rare old beast. I mean, it's quite, it's quite a thing. Um, it is quite a thing. It's slightly oddly proportioned, or I've always thought it was. Um, I, think, I, I, I think I know where you're coming from. Is it... Is it the roof line being too low. Yeah, yeah, it's up top. It's that rear, that sort of rear pillar. Because it, it's so obvious. Because we, whether it's because that car is so familiar in its saloon form, mm. and all they've changed on it is the roof. <laughs> the rest of it is the same, and you sort of still see it as the saloon, mm. and you think, "Oh, there's something wrong with that. That's mm. not that door's too long, and that that shouldn't be there." And it just, you know. I think it's perhaps not the car's fault. It's the fact that we're so familiar with it as the saloon. Uh, yes, I, th- I think that is the issue. I think it, it, it's too much of an old friend. And you go, God dear, someone someone squashed that a bit. That's a bit. I'm not I'm sure they should have done that. Oh, yes. No, you see, I can't say squashed it a bit. It was Batoni, wasn't it? It, but true, you yep. can't. Yes, true. You can't malign them too much with their body uh, of work. No, it's yeah, true. I've... Um. But I don't. I wouldn't suggest that was their best way. And I think it's an odd car to do as a coupe. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's not. It's not what you'd call sleek, is it? Really? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not going to win any any sort of awards for aerodynamic capability or anything like that. It's not what the original designers had in mind for that car. <laughs> no. Um, no, it's, it's. I suppose it's a bit akin to that prototype that never made it, uh, but is at the Jaguar Heritage Centre where they did uh, a coupe version of the XJ40. Oh, the two-door XJ. Yes, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, that's mm. see again. Uh, that works better. The proportions are better on that. That works better, but it's a sleeker car to start with. Mm. You know, it's low and long and, you know, it's, well, it's a Jag, isn't it? So obviously mm. it's, it's a Jag of that era. They're all sleek. But, um, yeah, that works better, but it's still out of proportion. It's too big. It, it is. And it, 
it's that same awkward bit on that's on the Volvo. That the the rear yeah. three quarter. It's that it's that area that they don't seem to know quite what to do with. It's like they draw <laughs> the rest of it and they think, oh, oh no. <laughs> it's like when you're a kid and you're drawing a car, but you start in the middle of the page. You don't lay out your proportions, and you mm. end up with it all squashed over on one side. Mm. And what was yeah. going to be a long, sleek saloon turns into a little pudgy hatchback. Are you <laughs> with suggesting an enormous bonnet? <laughs> Are you suggesting the work experience kid at Batoni did the <laughs> Volvo? <laughs> I yes. <laughs> I don't think it was their best work. Let's, no. Let's, no, let's, no, let's put it like that. I don't think it was their best work. Um, and cars that are that become very established as one particular thing, when they're then later on turned into something else, it often doesn't work. With the exception of the XJS Eventer, if you've ever seen one of those, the yeah. XJS, XJS Estate. Now that works. You I can think. you can get away with the work. What do they call them? A shooting brake, don't they? Yes, the shooting, the old style shooting brake, which is, yeah. I think, that sort of thing. Um, you can get away with that. You can get away a with a lot that. of things. Yeah, you can. And the XJS again lended itself, or lended, mm. lent itself um, <laughs> very well to that because it was a very low, sleek car anyway, mm. and there was room to do that. Mm. Um, in fact, you're kind of with that. They were doing away with. The XGS's biggest problem, which was the buttresses and the and the rear window, mm. Um, mm. which was all a bit wrong. And I'm told, I'm sure I heard once, was a an accident. Bit of a le- yeah leftover, wasn't it? I'm... Yeah, because it was originally going to be mid-engined, mm. and it was quite late on into the development that they decided, no, 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 we'll make it front-engined like the rest of the range. Yeah. Um, but they didn't they didn't redesign the back. That was it. Was that? I'm torn where I heard that. Part of me wants to say Wheeler Dealers, and another part of me wants to go slightly off piste and say it was uh, Mark Evans on that uh, car is reborn. Well, I know exactly when... where I got it from, and it wasn't okay. either. Oh, it wasn't either. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Where did you get I'm, it from? I've now remembered. It was uh, James May on Top Gear. Oh, shit, maybe that's where it was from. He did a piece. <laughs> this was years yeah. and years ago. Years and years ago. He did a piece yeah, about right. a company that was doing reworked XJSs. Yep, um, that is, and that I'm is sure exactly. he mentioned yeah. it in that piece. Yeah, That is exactly where I heard it. The other two were just a pure fabrication, I think. Well, Wheeler Dealers did do an XJS. Well, um, they did. They did They did a, a six-cylinder, which is a, a nice, nice touch. Didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Indeed, um, but the original shape one, mm. not the not the facelift, um, mm. and I seem to remember they did quite a decent job of that. Uh, but yeah, um, particularly I I did enjoy Ed's uh, fixing of the veneer. That was superb, wasn't it? Because mm. that was something I thought actually, for once, I think I could have a fair go at that. I think mm. I could do that with the right equipment. Um, and I, I always liked that about his stuff on Wheeler Dealers. He made you feel like you could do it. Even yes. I am the most mechanically useless person. <laughs> and now I don't have to be because I drive an electric car. But, um, it, um, it, yeah, it, um, it, it, he did have that knack of explaining it and showing you in a way that you thought, oh, yeah, I could do that. 
I'll, yeah. I'll, have, a, I'll have a bash at that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, his, his style of presenting was excellent for that sort mm. of stuff. It's such a shame that he... Let, I understand entirely why he did, but it was such a mm. shame that he left that show. Um, yeah, but it's a shame that his YouTube thing that he did a pilot of never really took off. Well, he did a couple of those and they never took off. And he's he sort of talked about doing lots of things over the last couple of years, but none of them have ever really come to fruition. Mm. Um, and um, we were supposed to see him at the first fully charged live that we went to. Um, oh, but he, he didn't show up until like the last 10 minutes and we'd already cleared off by then to miss the traffic. So we, we completely missed him. Um, ah. But he wasn't there for long. He just showed up for, you know, a few minutes at the end. And that was a real shame because I would have very much liked to have met him because that was just after he'd left the show. Um, right, okay. When that when that um, happened. So, yeah, it was a bit, bit of a shame. But, yes, um, he did have a, a style that I think the show is lacking now. Mm. I mean, but, I, uh, I've watched the new ones, but... They're more sort of back background viewing rather than yeah. watching. Watching they are. There was more and more emphasis, and I know this was part of his problem. But there was more and more emphasis on the buying and selling, and less and less on the fixing up. Ah, um, yes. Old out your end. Yeah. That. <laughs> that. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as much as that's great, you know, and I nothing against um, Mr. Brook, but. Um, no, 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 not at all. I, 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 I don't drop. I, I, I met him at Silverstone briefly. Which, you did, yes. What a Indeed. lovely chat. He, he was thoroughly lovely. He had all the time in the world for a, a chat. He was absolutely very accommodating. Nothing against him, but his bit was not the primary reason I was watching that show. Um, no, one thing I do like about the newer episodes is that when he go, when Mike takes some a bit of the car that needs fixing and goes and finds a sort of local business specializing in something a bit yeah that, i mean I they, did, they did do some of that in the earlier days as well um mm. to be fair but yeah um that's nice uh and sometimes they'll let him have a go on the machinery which is perhaps not always a good idea but um probably <laughs> yes. fine it'd be yeah be all right um <laughs> but uh yes that is nice where he goes and seeks out a local company and um, and gets them to do a, a bit of it. Um, I think I find it less interesting, I suppose, now that it seems to be almost predominantly in America. Mm, um, yeah, that's which, a bit of a struggle. Which, again, I have you know, I've got no problem with that. But it, I just, it was nicer when he was finding these little companies in the on an industrial estate, you know, from outside Swindon, and you know, it just. <laughs> it was so it was so unglamorous mm. <laughs> that it, you know that had a certain charm to it. Um, yeah, oh, I know what you mean. Um, mind you, some of the finds he's got in America is quite impressive. Finding be an escort uh, Cosworth. Yes. How, yeah. how have you found one of those? How has that got there? Yes. <laughs> how is that there? Yeah, because he is still doing um, English cars, isn't he, or British European cars? Mm. Um, uh, even though he's all the way over there, but yeah, um, I particularly liked that uh, on that escort episode. There was uh, what was the guy's name? They uh, the original designer uh, popped back to adjust the uh, rear wing to what he originally wanted it to be. Fantastic! Uh, 
Fra uh, Frank Stevenson, American. Ah, oh, very good. Yeah. Um, who he wanted it to have three elements to the wing rather than just the two. Oh, okay. They actually did a, a custom-made one for that car. Right. To put it back as it should have been. That's or as he, as he wanted it to be. Oh, that's fantastic. I like a bit of that. And uh, it's a nice nod that comes back to your Mini as well, because he was the original designer of the BMW Mini. Was he? Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. I did not know that. The first iteration of that car... Um, was my favourite, really. I think it's the most Mini-like, and I think they've got less and less Mini-like as they've gone on. Mm. Um, the the original... Um, uh, in fact, I think there is a club um, called the Y-Plate -Plate Club, which is, for, <laughs> which is for people who've got that first-generation car, um, or for people who've got the, the very first ones. Obviously, Y-Plate was only the first few months of production. That's it, yeah. Um, the one I had was, it was basically the same, but it was the 2004 facelift, which had slightly different bumpers, but the rest of it was more or less the same. Um, they just mm. tweaked it a bit here and there. But from that point onwards, I think they've got bigger and blobbier and less mini-like. I think that original one, it still looked like a mini. I think yep, you can right. still look at it and say, yes, that is unequivocally a mini. I think since then it's got, Less and less. I mean, I think they're brilliant cars, but I think they're less and less mini-like as time has gone on. Um, in some yeah. ways, the the latest, the very latest iteration, which of course is the electric one, I think is starting to, in some ways, that kind of captures it again um, a bit more. I don't quite know why. Maybe because they're only doing it as the three-door hatch; they're not doing it as the. Yeah, that's the, that's that's a nice nod, isn't it? Just yeah, don't don't try and. And the fact that you can you can order it in in uh, red with the uh, bonnet stripes and the Union Jack on the roof, and you can have all that stuff, mm. um, I think is is quite nice. You um, can all yeah, you can almost spec the the EV one to be uh, all, uh, sort of a wolf in sheep's clothing, can't you? You can. You, you can, can almost completely hide it. Yeah, you can deselect the badging. You can deselect the the yellow trim. Uh, I think you still have to have the shrouded in um, grill. Although I reckon, with not too much modding, you could probably fit an ordinary grill to it because it's yeah. the same. It's the same space for it. It's the same aperture. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're not going to be making different bonnets and. No, it's whether what you can see through the grill is particularly attractive or not, and whether it can survive, whether it could survive being in direct <laughs> contact. With, yeah, that, that's with, true. If there's something particularly sensitive behind there, yeah. So you know, in, the rain. in practice, that may not work. But um, yeah, other than the grill, you can pretty much spec it to be. Um, and if you were to debadge it. Um, uh, then, yeah, it would look almost identical. If you didn't know, there is a slight difference in ride height, um, but they've got around that by making the plastic trim around the wheel arches slightly deeper. Okay. So that you can't, at a glance, you can't tell that it's riding higher. Um, if you sat it next to an ordinary one, you could see the roof line. I mean, it's only like, you know, an inch or so, but it is higher. Um, but um, they've done some clever design trickery to try and hide the fact that it's slightly lifted but um 
Well, it's okay. yeah. easier to get in and out of. Well, there you go. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so think of these getting, things. Getting older. Getting older. <laughs> getting older. Yes. Starting to make that noise. <laughs> so going back to the original mini and its uh, designer Frank, who we were talking about, and the Wheeler Dealers, Cosworth. Mm. At the party to celebrate the. Uh, launch of the mini the night before mm. they, uh, the uh, the designer spotted a distinct lack of tailpipe on the model that is quite a big emission unless you're building an ev which obviously they weren't mm. so uh, it was a bit of blind panic of going well what 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 do we do we've got to have one <laughs> so this uh, i believe it was this guy again frank stevenson went ah i've got an idea and uh, he was drinking from a can of Budweiser. Oh. So lop that in half and uh, wedge that into the clay model. Into the clay. He didn't even make a space for it. He just jammed it in. Jam- jammed it in. And, uh, and that's why go. when you look at one of those early minis, it's like it's quite a stylized tailpipe. You know, that's because it's a can of Budweiser. Can of Bud. Oh no! But, there yeah. was a show that I completely forget what it was that reunited the designer of the Allegro um, with a very early build, and he had a set of his original drawings. Hmm. And he went through what it should have been before the BL machine got hold of it and <laughs> turned it into what we eventually got. Um, and it was that was supposed to be a much sleeker, nicer looking machine than what you know what eventually happened. Um, I forget which show that was, whether it was YouTube or Proper Telly, I'm not sure. Okay. But YouTube um, or Proper Telly, yes. <laughs> it's amusing that that's a thing now. Yeah, well, absolutely, it is though. Mm. It is, although for me, YouTube has become proper telly, and we very rarely watch, very rarely do we watch proper telly. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's true though. It's, yeah, it's not got anything good to offer. But so, sorry, back to that. You were you were saying that that the Allegro was it is something should be something much more glorious. Yeah, I forget the detail of it, but it was going to be lower and sleeker and a much nicer front end. Um, <laughs> it, it just was generally better in, in every way um, as he originally drew it. Mm. Um, but once the BL accountants had got hold of it and made them share parts with other cars that were being produced at the time and cut costs on, on materials and all the things that happened within BL, um, it turned into what we eventually got. Um, it may even have been a hatchback. I might have made that up. I wouldn't swear to that. It's, um, just, it's baffling why it never bloody was. Well, very few of them of that era were. Um, the Ford Escort of that time wasn't even. Nah. You know, um, a, lot, a lot weren't. I don't know if that's because that's not what people wanted or that's just what was being produced. Um, I mean, it's like now, it's the, these days, the demise of the estate car and everyone's buying SUVs. Well, oh. the car companies say that's because that's what people want. But is that what people want or is that all that's being produced? So they can't have an estate car anymore. Um, you know, chicken and egg, which, mm. which way around is it? I mean, everyone I 
talk to on the subject, which is not many people, to be honest, because most of what we talk about, people aren't really interested in. But um, <laughs> all right, when I talk to you about it, um, yeah, yeah. most people will say, well, yeah, I'd love an estate car, you know, and a, a, a sporty estate car is very cool, and I'd love an estate car, and but you just can't, you know, there are so few of them on the market now. Yeah. Um, and is, was that the same thing with saloons and hatches in those days? Um, is it what people wanted, or is that just what was being produced? It's a valid point. Difficult to say, isn't it? And a lot of cars who started as saloons then later became hatches, like the Escort, like the the venerable Austin Maxi. Um, oh, the, um, you know, the various um, Citroens and things that um, CX, I think, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or have I got that? I'm not very good at Citroen numbering and names, oh, CXs and BXs. Yeah. Oh, I know the BX. Uh, yep. I know the BX because the, the Mrs.'s parents had two of them. Um, I was familiar with those. But, um, <laughs> they got ruined uh, by one and thought, let's have another one of those. Yeah. Let's, this one's fallen to pieces. I know. Let's have another one. And then they replaced the second one with a Xantia. So. Oh, see, I don't mind a Xantia. I think, I think that but the way when did go... you last see one? Well, that's, that's uh, the judge of how well a car was built. You look at how many of them are still on the roads. None. None, <laughs> none, none of those. I mean, you might see a rickety one in France. You might, or a very occasionally one really nice one. But there's mm. nothing in between. There's no. nothing that people are just running as a daily because it, it will have fallen to bits by now. Definitely. Um, no, yeah, nothing in between. But um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But I think we're we're on the cusp of seeing more diversity, particularly in in design. And other people have, you know, far more prominent than us, given that we're not at all prominent, um, have said <laughs> um, that the the EV platform, you know, the battery and motors and the sort of basic what's becoming known as a skateboard, um, yeah. will be the birth of the of the coach builders again. That you can put any body and any interior on top of a standardised um, powertrain, mm. um, and I think we we might be seeing more of that sort of thing coming back, which would mm. be great. Yeah, that would be um, that would be impressive. Actually, that would be quite a nice thing to do. Wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would, and I'm hoping that might happen. Because of course, in the very early days of motoring, particularly in America, you didn't, you just didn't buy your engine and chassis from the same company that you bought the body from. I mean, you just mm-hmm. wouldn't, uh, particularly in the early days in, in the US. Um, all cars were coach. You, you buy a car, which gives you the engine, the chassis, and the brakes, and the suspension, and then you take it to a coach builder. You do run the risk then of, um, of, of, of idiots thinking, oh, I can do car design. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's always that part of the market. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's going to be bits where we're going to cringe. Oh, that's that ruined. Yeah, well, museums are full of those, aren't they? Of companies that only lasted a couple of years and built the, you know. Mind you, you say that and you think, oh, that's, that's, you look at it and go, well, that's hideous. And the one thing that leaps to mind that I think, and I've found no one that says it looks nice, and yet the sales of it are still strong, is that hideous. Rolls Royce Cullinan. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's bad. Dis- disgrace. It is. It's awful. Mm. It, it's out of proportion. It's it's just wrong in every way. And Rolls don't need an SUV in the life. 
that's no. not that's not what they're about. I fear they've only done it because Bentley do SUVs, oh, and that's which are no it. better. Just hideous. <laughs> There's no nothing attractive there at all. I mean, I'm not a fan of SUVs generally, but. Uh, but some of them are quite attractive, but those aren't. No. And, and if we trace it all the way back to someone saying, well, maybe we'll do a premium one, I suppose we've got the uh, lovely chaps at Porsche to thank for that, haven't we? That, well, is that where it started? Yeah. Well, the Range Rover's always been a thing. That's that's a thing in its own right. I don't well, think that in. it has and it hasn't. I mean, that's not what the Range Rover was originally. No, um, it was, yes, it, it was, was less. It was less barn-like than the Defender, um, but it it wasn't a super luxury, expensive machine. Mm. It was just slightly less utilitarian than the than the Defender. But it, um, you know, the Defender was always very much a military spec thing, and the Range Rover was, um, you know, was more consumer focused. But um, it's kind of got a bit warped over the years. <laughs> into a very different thing. Yes, it, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's somewhat changed into quite the uh, quite the chariot these days, isn't it? Yeah, it really has. But the Cullinan, no, I have heard it described as a London taxi. And it does have those proportions. It does have that whiff about it, doesn't it? It does. No, that can bog off. But I don't, again, it's this obsession with SUVs. Ugh. And I don't, I don't get it. What roles Rose? What Rolls Royce should be doing is an EV. Well, that's just got to be the next step, surely. If there was any brand that lended itself to electrification, surely it's Rolls. Super waft. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. You know, and again, it's been said before that, and not just them, a lot of car manufacturers have spent the last 40 years trying to make the internal combustion engine as quiet as possible. Mm. Um, and well, with an EV, you just get that out of the box. So, no effort. Yep, I, uh, yeah, I'd be well up for one of those. Well, they're going to have to, aren't they? Sooner or later. Oh, so, as long as as long as it, it's not the SUV that gets done first. Uh, wouldn't that be disappointing? Oh, I'd be like Jaguar all over again. It would. <laughs> I'm still see, angry. Are you? <laughs> You're still angry. Well, see, now I was I was a Jaguar. As you well know, mm. and uh, the I pace for me doesn't do it at all. It doesn't look like a Jag. It, none of the Jag SUVs do, but the I pace uh. particularly. I think that's another one. I think is out of proportion. It, it's a. It, I think it's a very strange looking car. I I, I all power to them for doing it. Yeah, absolutely all power to them, and I think they've built a really good EV. I don't think it's necessarily worth. All the awards that it's received, but I think it's a very good EV. I I'm think sure it won those honourably. Of course, <laughs> it's uh, you know there's a lot to like about it. Um, I've not driven one; I have sat in one, and it did have a re- it did feel like a Jag. I mean, it had that lovely kind of hemmed-in feeling, and mm. feeling that you get from Jags, and I, I like that. And um, I all power to them for doing it. Because it must have cost them a lot, and they haven't got a lot of money. Um, and, well, they haven't, have they? No, that's, no, no. That's, that's no secret. No, <laughs> they're not wealthy. Any, we're not letting any cats out of the bank there, I don't think. Um, but they've done it, and it's mass market, and 
you know, it seems to work. It's not by any means the most efficient EV on the market. Um, it doesn't have the best charging options, but they've done it. It's good. I've not heard any horror stories. Um, and, you know, all power to them for doing it. But I do think it's a weird looking thing. Yeah. Should have been the XJ. Should have been the XJ, which is coming. They've been saying that for a while, though. They they have. Behind the sofa um, for money. They have. um, The great Callum has now said, though, that because it was one of it's one of his last jobs that he did. Apparently, was to to work on that. So it is coming. Well, visually, it will be in safe hands then. Yes, absolutely. Just make it look like a J. Make it look like the old XJ. It's the one. It's not the one Jag I didn't own, obviously, like I'd owned every single model. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it, I, I wish I'd had an XJ, and it might still happen at some point. It, uh, it's, it was the last Jag to owe anything to Sir William Lyons. It was the last Jag that owed any of its design to him. Yeah, the last of the XJs, which what would have been 2000 and... Five two thousand six that model yeah. before they before they discontinued it and then moved on to the the bigger one yeah uh, that one and the one that preceded it um, yeah the force is strong with those they are they are nice things they are very nice things I know the tech in them is getting a bit dated now but uh, yeah that'll be fine they're not rare no. Um, they're not. They're not going away. You can have quite nice ones for a few grand. Um, so. Yeah, know. I suppose that's the deciding factor. If 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 they get caught in the uh, in the stupid wave of going, oh, that's a mildly classic car. I think they're a little way off that yet. Yeah. Um, I think it's about to happen to the XK. Mm. Um, not the original XK, obviously from the fifties. <laughs> they've already well and truly done it. Yeah, they've departed. That's, <laughs> they, they're not. They are, they are beyond ever now. But the the nineties one and the slightly later one, but particularly the the nineties one, the one mm. that um, they were trying to make look like an E type, and it kind of does. If you ignore the Mondeo of the same era. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it did, it did share some parts with that car, I believe. <laughs> but um, that one, I think, because you can still pick those up for a few grand, and I think they're about to rocket. Yes. Oh, and is that is that a nice lead into a Bond car? Oh well, it could be an XK that's rocketing. <laughs> you see, oh, you see, you see, you see. very good. You, you yes. see. Very good. We're in to buy another day there, aren't we? Yes. Oh, that's not the film I wanted to start on. No. <laughs> you've no. You've gone you've gone the wrong way with that. Oh. Yes. Maybe, no, maybe not. I have I have seen that car in, in person. Um it was part of the Bond collection down at Bewley. Ah um, yes. I've many, seen. many moons ago. And I, I saw it. It and the my, my two personal favourites of the collection at that time uh, were uh, that and the AMC Hornet from the Man with the Golden Gun. Yes, yep, I did see it. I, I can't remember. I went with a friend of mine, and they had most of them there. Both of those were there, actually. I did see the two that you mentioned. But yeah. every time I've been near that Bond collection... 
the uh, the DB5 has been out on loan. Yeah, DB5 wasn't there. There wasn't a DB5 when I saw it. It was before they called it the Bond in Motion collection. It was just a collection of Bond cars. That yes, that's right. That were at Bewley. It's become Bond in Motion in more recent years. Mm. Um, but yes, I've never seen. I have seen DB5s. I've not seen. Well, see now you've got into an area, haven't you? Mm, I was going to yes. say you've not seen the in inverted commas DB5. Well. I'm not sure anyone has really. Not since the mid nineties, no. Mm. Not the one, not the original. Um, not the actual Goldfinger car, because it was stolen. Um, which I think is quite a famous story now that it was it was pinched uh, and has never been seen again. No, that's 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 one of those things. One day it might make the light of day. Well, see, it's an awkward one because it wasn't just an ordinary, well, clearly it wasn't just an ordinary DB5, but it didn't start life as an ordinary DB5. It was the development prototype Mm. um, that Aston Martin eventually begrudgingly sold at full price (laughs) to the Bond production team. (laughs) Because product placement wasn't a thing then. They didn't believe it. They didn't think that was going to do it. How could giving our car to a film production do anything for our sales um so no uh, you can have an aston that's lovely but you can buy it at yes. full price <sighs> and it nearly apparently harry saltzman the co-producer of the early films was so incensed by that that he almost put bond in a mark ii jag you see that um because that was the other car mentioned in the book because there's a chapter in the book and it says that Bond goes down to the MI6 motor pools to get a car. And they've got two cars in that he could have taken, an Aston Martin DB4 or a Mark II Jag 3.4. And right. in, the, in the book, Bond chooses the Aston and that's why they wanted the Aston for the film. Um, okay. But as I say, Harry Saltzman was apparently so angry that Aston wouldn't give them a car or even give them any kind of discount. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wanted he wanted them to go and have a Mark II Jag, which would have been considerably cheaper, even if they'd had to buy it at full price. Yeah, this is true. I mean, I mean, um, looking back now, you could you couldn't have imagined it, but at the time, going in without any sort of prior conceptions, you'd probably got away with it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yes, your 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 final point about the uh, DB5 after we were going through the. Uh, Ah, yes. The differences yes. of uh, it, uh, the uh, Goldfinger car versus a production. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So yes. So you could You'd never. The original car would never be able to surface really without anybody who knew what they were looking at um, recognizing it. But the second car um, that was used in Goldfinger and throughout Thunderball, uh, which was an ordinary off-the-line DB5, which I think they did give them by this stage after they'd seen. What, <laughs> What it was becoming. Um, that was an ordinary one, which didn't have, during filming, it didn't have any of the gadgetry or anything in it. It was just a standard car. Um, and you can see at the beginning of Thunderball, in the pre-title sequence, they've covered the car in mud. And that was deliberately done to disguise the fact that it didn't have the roof hatch for the ejector seat. Ah. So... Um, it had the bulletproof shield coming up out of the boot lid, but it didn't have the, the roof hatch. 
But during, before that, um, during the filming of Goldfinger, they had both cars um, up in Switzerland uh, where they were doing the scenes um, where Bond is following Goldfinger's golden rolls. Mm. And um, they had, um, they'd stopped for lunch, apparently. And the story goes that one of the crew wanted to pop down into the local town to get some lunch for some of the crew. And he decided to use one of the DB5s. Mm, Amazing as it may seem. (laughs) And he took, he didn't take the gadget one, he took the standard road car, the second car. And he took it down into the town. And at some point on his journey, he bashed it. And you can see, because they only had the two cars. It's not like they had loads of them. And they Mm. had to carry on filming because it cost an enormous amount of money. And there they were. So they had to carry on and just try and angle it so that you couldn't see the damage. But there's one scene. There's a scene where Bond has stopped on a corner and he gets out the car and he's looking out over the cliff, down onto where Goldfinger's car is. And up above him, on another ledge, is the girl who tries to shoot him. Yes. And there's a, there's a shot from her angle, looking down on both cars. And in that scene, you can see on the passenger side wing of DB5 is a sodding great scrape. It's, uh, oh dear. Can you imagine going back and get? Um, and you, you can story. you can Google it, and there are stills of it, and you can quite clearly see that there is a sort of two to three foot scrape dent in that, the in the front wing of the DP five. Just insane! Imagine being that guy when you get back. Oh, I had a bit of an accident. <laughs> But Not. that car still exists and is in. I think it was it is in private hands and it was auctioned not that long ago, and it went for some ridiculous sum of money. I think it was auctioned at Sotheby's. FMP seven B is its real number plate. Uh, very good. We very get good for that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Obviously, on screen it's BMT two one six A, but its real plate is FMP seven B. And that car still still is around. Um, the number plate BMT two one six A is owned by Eon Productions, the Bond company. Yeah, yeah, you, you'd hope so. They own the plate and just put it on successive DB fives and in the latest film, which we haven't seen yet, obviously, um, on the fake DB fives that they, that they <laughs> constructed. Um, yes, because yeah, they up a bit because actually, though, Piss Brosnan's he he had a. His was two one four. Four. That's right. Two one four a. That was, I believe, that was fake though. I don't believe that was a real plate. Um, I wonder what the logic behind changing it was. I don't know. I've never, and I have looked. I've never been able to uncover anything about that. Um, I think what they were saying. Well, I mean, clearly they were saying that either Bond. It, that wasn't the original DB5, but it was a car that Bond had. Because with the Brosnan era, they were never as blatantly starting again as they did with Daniel Craig. No, um, that's true. And I wonder with Goldeneye whether they were trying to say, yes, this is Bond, and he has a DB5, but it's not the original. 
Mm, but yeah, it, it's clearly meant to be from the same batch of cars because it's yeah. obviously only two numbers different. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, um, that that would that would make a bit of sense, wouldn't it? It's his personal vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Like it is in when it appears in um, Skyfall. Skyfall, yeah. Which is supposed to be the original BB5 because we see it's got gadgets mm. and it's wearing the 216 number plate. But it makes no sense for Daniel Craig's Bond to have that car. No, there's no... Chronologically. There's, no, no, because technically, if it's going chronologically, he's, he's, he somewhat predates it, really. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't possibly have been a secret agent in 1964. Mm. <laughs> he, he would have been like, you know... I'm not even sure he was born. <laughs> if, if we raise those sort of questions with Bond, though, we're, no, we're, we can't go there. We can't no, go there. But on the subject of Bond cars, but not quite, which is what we'll title this section, um, the Lotus Turbo Esprit used in For Your Eyes Only, mm-hmm. uh, OPW678W. Yes. OPW679W, which is a black turbo esprit, um, is at the Haynes Museum. And it was, I have met the owner because he used to be a client of mine. Um, and he used to take it racing and he had a lot of pictures in his office of it on, uh, on the track at Donington. Um, <laughs> and I noticed it one day when I was there, you know, fixing his email or something. And um, he, um, I said, oh, that's isn't that car at the Haynes Museum? And he said, "Yeah, it is. It's I, I still own it, but I don't race anymore, so I donated it to the museum." Um, and it was, and he knew that it was related to the Bond car. It was the next one off the line, Blimey. and it had the it had the next number plate. So oh, OP, oh so close. OPW six seven eight W was the Bond car's real plate from new. Um, okay, that, that's that's nice. Yeah, it is. Um, that car. The Bond car um, originally was painted white, as it is in the film. But then apparently when they went to Cortina, the um, the cameramen were having tre- terrible trouble making it stand out against all the snow. Um, so they said, uh, we, can't, we can't film it. It's just blending in. Um, so they said, right, we'll, we'll paint it red. Oh, yeah, that's right. They ended that, up in that, that sort of burgundy so, sort of color. That's right. They didn't think bright red was quite the right color, so they went with the sort of off bronzy color, which mm. is quite nice. Yeah. Um, and they resprayed it, um, and um, it's still in that color today. It's in private hands, um, and he's in the UK. Don't recall who owns it, but it is it is still around. That oh, that's car. nice. And it still has the ski brackets on the on the boot. Fantastic. Which is kind of nice. Yes. Yes, you got like that. I I enjoyed um, Harry Metcalf with his video of taking his Esprit. That was great, wasn't it? Which was a slightly earlier model, I think. Yes, to the think, car, isn't it? it yeah. It's not. It's not quite the same, but it's very close. Um, that was a wonderful uh, couple of videos that he did. Yeah, you know, where he was seeking out all the Fiori's only locations. That was mm. great. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, and he'd clearly done his research. His facts were bang on in that. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did very well. That was properly entertaining. It was, and the car made it with no, yeah, with no, no real... serious issues. No. <laughs> no, no, no mechanicals, no nothing. It was plain sailing, really. Mm. Loads of trouble, usually serious, as they say. But in his case, it, it hasn't been. <laughs> so... 
I I really enjoyed the um, the story of how that became the Bond car uh, for Spy Who Loved Me. Yes, I've heard that story as well. You've probably heard the same story from the same place, I suspect. Yeah, the the yeah. one where the it ended up being parked outside the production office at Pinewood. Without, yeah, Pinewood without any with tape over the badges. That's right. Taking any mention of of what it was off it to try and gauge their interest and just parked it there. That was it. And then yeah. then it um, gained quite a bit of interest. And didn't the chap just walk up to it, get in and drive off? Yeah. And it wasn't he the productions well, the promotions manager for, that was it, for Lotus. Mm. Yeah. And he, yeah, Cubby had spotted it when he came out for lunch and with them all crowding around it. And um, yeah, he just came over, got in and drove off. Genius. <laughs> yeah, that... Nailed that. <laughs> it did, and it became it became Roger Moore's car. Yeah, brilliant, really. But it did lend itself extremely well to the the submarine. Um, mm. It was just the right sort of shape. It was so easy to 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 work with, much as the DeLorean was for Back to the Future. It just kind of lended itself to yeah, yeah. having a load of guff put on it. <laughs> That's it. it. It would should have been a time machine. Yes, it always should have been. Um, but no, the Lotus was was perfect, and it was it was perfect for the for Roger Moore's style of Bond as well, mm. um, and and the 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 style of the films they were making at the time. It just yeah, it, it was of its era. The DB5 would not have worked. No, um, they needed to, and obviously they'd already moved past the DB5 with uh, Mr. Lazenby, but um, not that that car ever did anything. No, not really. It was fairly uneventful. It was. It drove on a beach and parked outside a hotel and then had a bullet through the windscreen. That was about it, really. Yeah, that ruined them. Um, that was the end of that. We never saw it again. Oh, well, no, I it, say, it, no, no. It, ah, it does. Ah, it, it does. does. It's ah, in the background ah, of uh, ah. uh, Diamonds Are Forever when he's on it the phone with you. In one very brief scene, and they're trying to load missiles in the front of it or something. That's it. Yes, you're right. It does. That is the only other time, though. Um, mm. But yes, well done. Excellent bonus points for that as well. Uh, very good. I, I'm always impressed with your geeky knowledge of obscure Bond moments. Well, I'll pay attention to what's happening in the scene at the back. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. but you're right. It is in Q's lab just in the background, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's never driven. We never see it's it. It's not even but... talked about, is it, at all? No, it's just a background scene. It's not. Even yeah, it may not even be a whole car from all we know. It might, no, just, yeah. it might just be a wing <laughs> nailed up on a wooden frame. <laughs> well, that's enough of us for one week. It's about time to wrap things up. Thank you very much for listening. 